Good afternoon, my conscious co-creators. Welcome to another edition of the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. And I am very, very pleased that you are all here with me today. We've got a really fun show in store for you. Uh, a fun show uh, for February, Valentine's Day month, uh, all about relationships. Um, uh, and I, I have a really fun repeat guest coming back on who I'll introduce to you in a moment. But first, we, of course, we have our quotes of the day. But before I get to the quotes of the day, I just really have to make a shout out to all of my cohorts uh, in the Evolutionary Business Council. <clears throat> just got back this week from the annual retreat down in San Diego. It was a wonderful, wonderful event. I connected with so many amazing thought leaders and transformational leaders um, and and so many people I have so much thanks and gratitude for, more than I can name. Um, and in the coming weeks, uh, we're going to have several Evolutionary Business Council members on the show, so I hope you will stay tuned next week and the following weeks. Um, and... Uh, be prepared for some amazing things to happen from that. Okay, so let's get started with our quotes of the day from the universe and from Abraham. Let's see what they have in store for us today. Ooh, I think I need some special effects for this first one from the universe. Your attention, please. Your attention, please. This is the universe, and I just wanted you to know once and for all that time is on your side, that space is just an illusion, and that matter is simply my little way of showing you exactly what you've been thinking lately. Now that we've got that squared away, think yourself an amazing day, dearest. At ease, the universe. Ah, we love our quotes from Mike Dooley in the universe. Getting some thumbs up on that on the Facebook Live, so I guess other people do too. So I like this kind of quote. You know, I always like our quotes from the universe because they tend to be kind of fun, kind of chiding us on, kind of reminding us that, you know, uh, time is on our side. You know, I hear it all the time. Oh, I don't have time. I'm so busy, this and that. You know what? Uh, we all have the same amount of time. And the truth is, we all only have now. You know, we, we, we have these constructs of past and future, of, uh, you know, oh, I got to get all this stuff done by the end of the day today or in this next hour. You know what? All we have is the present moment. That is all we ever really have. And what comes in the next moment, the universe is trying to remind us, depends on what we're focusing on in this moment. And that the more we focus on you know, the things we want to create as opposed to the challenges or the problems that are in front of us, the more we focus on being happy, joyful, the more we focus on the things that just lift up our spirit, the more we will be lifted up the more we will uh, have joyful days, the more we will lean into those moments uh, that we all wish our life to have. And this is not to say that we should judge those challenging moments, those difficult moments as being bad. They're not bad. They're not good. This is just life. And it's all a part of life. And it all adds to the richness of the tapestry of life. So I hope... Uh, you all uh, will get from this quote that our attention, the more it is on the things we wish to see in our lives, the more those things will be there. All right, we love our quotes from the universe. All right, let's see what Abraham has in store for us today. There is not a stream of badness and a stream of goodness or sickness or wellness there is only a stream of well-being. The question that you're wanting to ask yourself is, quote, in this moment, am I letting it in or not? Am I allowing it or not? Abraham. And I love this quote because it really goes to the heart of what a lot of what Abraham teaches. And, and the way Abraham describes it is, 
to think of sort of the stream of well-being, think of it like a cork, right? And, and this cork, when you put it in water, it will naturally float. But if you grab the cork and you pull it down to the bottom and you hold it down on the bottom, it's not going to float. But the moment you let go of the cork, it will rise up to the surface of the water. And, and that being on the surface of the water, that's the well-being. That's the joyful, excited, happy, loving place that we normally are. Uh, but it takes an active act of resistance to pull it down underneath the water. And that when we're not actively resisting the joy that's naturally inside of us, the cork rises. Now, this may not seem like it makes sense, but all you need to do is look at small children to see it in action. Little kids are just naturally joyful, playful, uh, you know, wandering around, bumping into things. But yes, they'll, they'll fall down, they'll scrape their knee, they'll start to cry, and that's that moment of active resistance but if you give them long enough, they'll stop crying and they'll go back to playing like nothing ever happened. Because children are amazing at getting into that stream of well-being. Because they're so young, they have you know, not that much life experience yet. They don't have that many things that cause them to actively resist the well-being yet. So I think this is... Uh, Sort of a message today for myself and for all you listeners out there that to remind us to learn to let go of that resistance, to let go of those things that actively cause us to not feel tuned in, turned on and tapped into to this amazing life force that flows within all of us and to just allow the joy to naturally flow. And if you're having a little bit of a difficult time feeling that joy, just close your eyes, take a deep breath, and think back to all those wonderful, joyful times, those amazing people that you've had in your life and the time you've spent together, and that joy will come up well up inside of you in no time. All right. Wonderful, wonderful quotes of the day from Mike Dooley in the universe. And a happy 58th birthday to Mike Dooley. Um, it's his birthday today, so I really wanted to give him a shout out for these wonderful, wonderful quotes of the universe. So uh, before I introduce my guest, just a quick shout out to the people on the Facebook Live Oops, I can't see the first person who was on. But Amy, a former guest on the show, welcome. David, Pat from the UK. Pat, it was wonderful seeing you at the EBC retreat. Thank you for being such a loyal fan and tuning in all the time. Denise, former hostess on, on uh, talkradio.nyc, welcome. Lee, wonderful to see you as well. All right, so now it is my joyful pleasure to introduce to you Roger Nygaard. Roger has directed TV series like The Office, The Bernie Mac Show, and edited Emmy-nominated episodes of Curb Your Enthusiasm and Veep, including the upcoming seasons this year. Roger's indie features include the notorious documentary Trekkies. Ooh, I love that one. It was so much fun. The gritty com comedy drama Suckers, a documentary about alien enthusiasts, Six Days in Roswell. Ooh, I didn't see that one, Roger. I got to catch that one. And the spiritual documentary, which brought him on the show a number of years ago, The Nature of Existence or What's the Point of Everything? Uh, the Nature of Existence was an official selection of 25 film festivals and won multiple Best Documentary Awards, which was released theatrically in 15 cities. Uh, afterwards, uh, Roger looked for a new topic, something even more inexplicable than existence itself, and the only topic to fit that challenge, The Truth About Marriage, which will be screening at film festivals this year and will be released later on this year. And I couldn't think of a more appropriate topic to kick off February with. Welcome, Roger, back to the Conscious Consultant Hour. 
Thanks. It's good to be back. Ah, it's wonderful to have you. It's wonderful to have you. And, and, and you know, it's quite interesting. I was actually at a meeting in Brooklyn of a, a group of, uh, how shall we say, alternate relationship type people last night. And, and I, I heard that there's actually this thing I never heard of before called relationship anarchy. And I'm just thinking to myself when I learned about it that, oh my God, there are like uh, relationships have evolved and changed so much in in just my lifetime it is, it is amazing to see all the things so so i have to ask you, you know why are you doing have you done uh, a, a a documentary about marriage well you uh, have experienced yourself what's going on people look like relationship anarchy is an interesting new uh, outgrowth of frustration people are frustrated mm. in relationships and understandably, because we're all trying to achieve an ideal that's been set for us by society, parents, friends, our social groups, that we keep falling short of. Right. And, and it's, it's frustration that and we don't know what to do. Why is this happening? You know, if, if relationships and marriage was natural, it would come easy. It would be second nature. <laughs> it would be like breathing. But we have to work so hard at marriage and relationships mm. And I set out in this documentary, that's the main, my core question that I asked was, why is it so darn hard for people? Mm. And, and, you know, ha- half of marriages, as we know, end, and the other half that are successful mm-hmm. still require a lot of work oh, to keep going. So even those are hard to maintain. Right, right. Have you ever been married? I have not. I've gotten <sighs> close three times oh. and didn't happen. Ah. So it's this is a case of a single guy, very uh, frustrated, confused, perplexed by this concept, which is generally what motivates me to make any of my films. I find yeah. there's something that is uh, really uh, keeping me awake, bothering me, uh, concerning me, and then I make a film about it, and as I learn about it, then my uh, viewers also learn what I learn. Yeah, yeah, wonderful, wonderful. Okay, Roger, um, I... I, I you know, and I saw the trailer, um, which which everyone can see on the truthaboutmarriage.com. Uh, I'll put it into the Facebook Live. It, it, I, I really love the way you have a very lighthearted way of approaching whatever topic that you explore. And we're going to get into that and get into uh, what this uh, uh, film really reveals and is all about after these messages. So everybody, please stay tuned. You're listening to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. We're talking this hour with filmmaker Roger Nygaard, and we'll be right back after these messages. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Are you stuck in a rut? Negative thoughts, feelings, and conversations got you down? Hi, I'm Noreen Sumter, the Potentiator. Tune in every Tuesday at 9 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time and listen for new ideas on my show, Beyond Potential, Live Life Your Way, on talkradio.nyc. Who do you want to connect with? Are you an entrepreneur or intrapreneur looking to build your following? Welcome to our show. Follow, Follow Me Friday, Friday with Joan and Priya. Tune in every Friday at noon Eastern on talkradio.nyc. We're, We're your digital, digital connectors. connectors. Woo woo! <laughs> <laughs> Talking Alternative Radio. 24 hours a day. Welcome back to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. Um, 
Roger, it's really a pleasure to have you back on the show. I can't even remember how long ago it was when I had you on uh, for The Nature of Existence, but I, I really enjoyed that film um, because, uh, and, and I think this is, is, is your kind of how you do things, is that even though um, there were some you know, relatively serious moments talking to theologians and priests and bishops, you, you also had some very uh, lighthearted aspects of, of the nature of existence. Um, I'm curious, did you take sort of the same approach with the truth about marriage? Yeah, definitely. I think life, if you don't laugh, you'll go crazy sometimes. <laughs> yes. You can't, you, it's the best way to, to face these really serious subjects is to keep an open mind and open heart and, and open about laughing, even at yourself, especially at yourself. Yeah. As all my films tend to have that, a very positive, humorous take on very serious subjects, right. typically. And this one is no exception. Right. So, so, so how did you sort of construct this new film? Who, who did you talk to for, for, for relationship and marriage stuff? Well, I started out, as I started out all my, my uh, subjects, by reading a lot of books and researching and uh-huh. then contacting the authors, uh-huh. like um, uh, Stephanie Kuntz, who wrote uh, oh. Marriage, a History, uh, and uh, Pat Allen, Dr. Pat Allen, mm-hmm. who's kind of famous and notorious in her own way. Yeah. Um, she has classes out here in Los Angeles. She wrote a book called Getting to I Do, and the ah. thesis of her book is, if you want to get married, here's the recipe for doing it within a year. Oh, wow. It's not necessarily how to be happy, it's how to get <laughs> married. And she, will, she teaches people right. how to do that. And I interviewed her, and she was fantastic. She's, she's, she herself is hilarious. Yeah. Uh, I also talked to Chris Ryan, who wrote the book Sex at Dawn, which is a very controversial, in some ways, look at the origins of human sexuality and relationships. Oh. And in, in that was, it's one place where the answers are, because if you want to know why we're so frustrated now, mm. you have to look at the environment in which human beings originated mm. to see what was natural <laughs> within that environment. And humans have been around, the species, our species has been around for about 200,000 years. Right. I mean, you know, similar related species and uh, maybe a couple million years, of course, but specifically Homo sapiens for about 200,000 years. We were living living on the African savanna, Mm -hmm. and they call it the savanna principle, which is the ways that we behave now, our our feelings, the way we think, are all meant to provide the best ways for survival on the African savanna and to give us happiness. In that environment, we now have a new environment. Our culture is evolving much faster than we can, of course. So we are living in a culture that's different, far different from the African savanna. And that's part of where the the answer lies as to why we're so frustrated now. So what did you find out about sort of that history that that surprised you or that really um, answered a lot of questions you had about marriage? Well, the biggest answer, I think, uh, the uh, most fascinating thing is that when you look at the way humans lived in the past, and we keep thinking of something called traditional marriage right. from the 1950s, which was actually a very thin slice of human history. Yeah. Traditional would be the way things were for a couple hundred thousand years before right, that. Right. And up until about 6,000 years ago, humans lived in small tribes of about 150 people or fewer. Mm -hmm. There was a guy named Dunbar who discovered this. He's called Mm -hmm. Dunbar's Number. Humans Ah. can only keep track of about 150 people emotionally within their circle of of friends. So if you get a brand new close friend, someone's got to go, ultimately, because Ah. we're designed to only interact with that many. So when tribes got larger than 150, they would split into two tribes. And you see that now in corporate culture, when corporate divisions get larger than 150, they split into two different divisions. So we know this. We, we know this is the way human beings operate and behave. It's what's natural to live in smaller groups. And in those groups, on the African savanna, humans in that tribe shared everything. Sex, food, shelter, uh, hunting, all the duties, the chores, raising children. Any child could belong to anyone. Everybody belonged to everyone. Everyone loved everyone in this very tight-knit, cohesive group. 6,000 years ago, that ended when humans discovered the idea, the concept of agriculture. They stopped being nomads. They stayed in one place 
or they started to, and planted crops. So there's no need to move on and, and chase the herd or right. follow the seasons. Right. When that happened, the concept of propriety, of ownership, then was born. Mm. And humans started thinking, of, well, this is mine, this belongs to me. Mm. And what followed from that was this idea, primarily in uh, the male Mm-hmm. brain right. of I need to pass on what belongs to me to my genetic offspring. Right. And so marriage came about, evolved, was created to control the sexual behavior of women so that mm-hmm. men could be certain that it was their children. Because right. a woman knows it's her baby, obviously, but a man can't right. be sure unless he is what they call mate guarding, uh, right. keeping an eye on his mate 24 7 or creating some kind of social structure that will pen her in in some way. Mm. And so that's the, when they look back to the origins, and it's, you know, marriage, of course, has gone through many different changes and, and, sure. and, and different variations, but that's the beginning. What followed that then was polygamy and, 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 and other uh, social ways of behaving, mm. but that's the origin where things really changed dramatically for humans was the birth of agriculture. Right, right, right. So really, marriage was all about property in one way or another. And it still is today. If you look at a marriage contract, the only thing it deals with primarily is property, is money. Who owns what? Who's in charge of the what's valuable? The marriage contract says nothing about being nice to each other or being honest or faithful or being a good listener or a good lover. All those are uh, we we expect, but they're not required according to the marriage contract. Right. All that contract, when you sign that marriage document, <laughs> it just it details how you're going to share your property, and and also uh, related topics like uh, inheritance mm-hmm. and uh, medical decisions. Um, things like that. Right. So it's more like a, a business contract. <laughs> it <laughs> the, really is. The, the, yeah. Um, you know, uh, you can't, if you want a good listener, it's not going to be require, a requ- requirement right. of the marriage contract. Right. Uh, I'm curious, did you read um, Esther Perel's book, Mating in Captivity? Uh, I didn't get to that one, and that, uh, that one kept coming up. Uh, I had a stack of about 50 books, and I got yeah. through about 30 of them uh, and, and interviewed about two-thirds of those authors, oh, uh, wow. and that, that took me... Uh, seven years to finish this wow, movie. So seven years? Um, it, you know, I scratched the surface, but I got to a point where they were kind of all repeating the same thing. Uh, 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 yeah. And that there are, there is a problem, right. and it's divided into two types of books. Here is mm. the problem, mm. and then here are the solutions. So uh, I divided my film into that also, gotcha. laying out the problem, and then the second half is, well, what do we do about it now? Because one of the things I thought Esther points out, and I think you can even see it in her, uh, hear it in her TED talk, was that this idea of like the modern um, uh, uh, concept of marriage was something that developed when people's life expectancy was only like 30, 40 years old. And, and this idea of till death do us part, you know, if you only live to 30 years old, it's not a big deal. But in modern times, we live until 70, 80, 90 years old. And because we're living so much longer, that's causing a lot of challenges uh, to this institution of marriage that didn't exist in the past because, you know, it it wasn't as big a deal. That's absolutely a factor. But it's only part of the story that looks at recent history. Because when you go back prior to the discovery of agriculture, humans lived to be 60 and 70 regularly. Ah. It was the discovery of agriculture that reduced life expectancy. Oh, really? Down to that the 30s. Wow. Because people started living together with, with uh, domesticated animals, mm. which was the source of most of our diseases, which oh, came from the animals we started living with, as well as reducing the vast variety of foods that we used to eat as nomads and reducing the nutrition. All of this oh. had a, a deleterious effect on human health. Oh wow, that's interesting. I know I'd not heard that. So the, the the agricultural revolution actually decreased our life expectancy and caused a whole bunch of health problems. Yeah, uh, Chris Ryan's new book is called Civil- "Civilized to Death," where he deals with that idea ah. specifically. And there's a book called "Sapiens" also that uh, right. has come out recently. That's also um, deals with this idea with how we've been harmed by 
technology. Yeah. yeah. And because we have, we only eat, we only have like four or five grains that pretty much makes up all of our foods now. You yeah. know, oat, wheat, corn, rice. Yeah. We used to eat hundreds of different varieties right. of foods when right. we were nomads, which is what we're, that's what we're designed to do. Right. And, you know, this idea of that, you know, in the village of 150 people or so that, like, everybody took care of the children. Like, th- th- there wasn't, uh, you know, this is my mother and father. It's everybody was your mother and father, and everybody is your son and daughter. That I would imagine that that kind of environment would create a lot more social cohesion, and that people that there's probably like a lot less uh, problems between people. Like there wasn't that much to be jealous about, and it wasn't like this is mine and this is yours. Everything is ours. That's correct. Oh. Uh, all of the, everything you just said, you, it was a good summary. Yeah. That's exactly <laughs> the way it was. And you, there was no worry for a woman that if she lost her mate that she would lose her support and her children would uh, suffer as a result. Every, all the children were secure. Every member uh, of the tribe felt secure uh, in their position. There w- was no need for jealousy mm, because everybody shared everything equally. Uh, there was no lack. Everyone got as much sex as they wanted, as much uh, food, uh, as much uh, whatever. All, all needs were met in this environment. Mm, wonderful, wonderful. Um, you can see that's why things are kind of swinging back in that direction with right. relationship anarchy, anarchy and po- yeah. polyamory right. and people trying all these different things, which is, as somebody says in my film, it's a desire to return to tribe, hmm. to the acceptance of being being with a group where everybody loves everybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And actually, that was, leads me kind of my next question, um, which is you you explore... Uh, many different types of relationships in your film, don't you? Not just monogamy and marriage, but but other forms of, of uh, close-knit relationships as well, don't you? Well, that topic, certainly, yeah, it comes up. I started out by, when this all began, I had my questions, and I didn't know, how am I going to make a film about this? Mm. Well, you know, you get invited to weddings. Everybody does. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I got invited to some weddings. So I started bringing my camera to my friends' weddings, and I would film their weddings, uh, and and interview them and ask uh-huh. them my questions. Then I put that film, put that that footage aside, or did some more interviews with experts. And time went on. Years went by. Five years, three years, five years, seven years. And then I checked back to see what happened to these couples. I had mm-hmm. gone to four specific weddings that uh-huh. I was focusing on. Three of which made the final cut of the movie. Uh-huh. And this their longitudinal studies become kind of the core of the documentary. Where you get to meet them at their wedding, uh-huh. and then we go back three years later in one case, five years later in another case, and then seven years later in another case, and you get to see what happened. And it was always a surprise how things turned out. It was never yeah. if when you met the, meet the couple at the beginning, you make a prediction. Right. You know, we all do. Right. Well, I wonder how long this is going to last, right? Right. And life is full of surprises. Right, right, right. Okay, great, great. <laughs> Coming up on another break. Um, when we come back, I want to ask you about. Um, through your film and following these people, uh, what kinds of couples and what kinds of people did you find over the, the, the course of making the film ended up with the happiest or most fulfilling relationships, okay? Yeah, the answer is surprising. Okay, great. So everybody, please stay tuned. Ooh, and a quick shout out to Pat on the Facebook Live. She says, I met Professor Dunbar and heard him speak. Very interesting. All right, so we got to... Shout out for Professor Dunbar. So everybody, please stay tuned. You're listening to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. We do this every Thursday, 12 noon Eastern to 1 p.m. And we'll be right back after these messages. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. love or are you intrigued about New York City and its neighborhoods? I'm Jeff Goodman, host of Rediscovering New York, a weekly show that showcases New York's history and its extraordinary neighborhoods. Every Tuesday live at 7 p.m. we focus on a particular neighborhood and explore its history, its vibe, its feel, and its energy. Tune in live every Tuesday at 7 p.m. on talkradio.nyc. Do you like comic books and movies? How about TV and pop culture? 
then you've come to the right place. Hi, I'm Michael Dolce, host of Secrets of the Sire. Joined every week by my co-host, Hassan, Lord of the Radio Godwin. Together, we have over 15 years' experience creating graphic novels, screenplays, and more. Join us as we bring you the inside scoop on the pop culture universe you love to talk about. Wednesday nights, 8 p.m. Eastern, talkradio.nyc. Talking Alternative Radio, 24 hours a day. Welcome back to the Conscious Consultant Hour Awakening Humanity. Really want to say thank you to all of our loyal listeners on talkradio.nyc and on Facebook. Um, we're talking this hour with Roger Nygaard, a filmmaker uh, of the new film, The Truth About Marriage, which you can see the rather, I like the trailer on, at truthaboutmarriage.com. So, so Roger, in, in going through, and you've, you followed all kinds of relationships, uh, heterosexual, homosexual, polyamorous, um, who, uh, through your film, did you discover had the, the happiest or the most fulfilling relationships? To answer that question, first I began with just the idea of a relationship between people. Okay. And whether it's gay or straight, uh, it doesn't matter. What I learned is it's what's more important is everybody has a particular energy, masculine, feminine, mm. and a mixture of, yeah. of, of amounts. Right. What works best is when you have a strong masculine or a strong feminine or a good mixture between the two. You, you can't really have two masculine energies right. or two feminine energies together. Right. It doesn't work for longevity. Mm-hmm. And whether it's male or female, you know, typically, mm-hmm. of course, men have, tend to have the masculine energy, but not always. Right. I had three couples, and one couple is a pretty traditional uh Hollywood friend of mine, screenwriter, who married a, a, a woman who he imported from Europe. He met oh. her at a party, and she was from Eastern Europe, and they dated and uh, got married. Another couple was uh, a polyamorous couple mm-hmm. that I met who invited me to their wedding. They were getting married at a fairy convention in Eugene, Oregon. Oh, wow. So I went there. And they before got before they got married, they agreed they would keep dating other people after they got married. Uh-huh. The third person was actually a single friend of mine who was the most single person I knew. Mm. He was a rapper who moved to Brazil mm. and learned Portuguese just in and how to rap to meet women. <laughs> and one of his songs is Single Forever. He uh-huh. he planned to never get married. Uh-huh. Checking back on all three of these, um, the uh, first couple I got there when I five years later they were signing the divorce papers and they agreed uh, to be interviewed, which uh-huh. was kind of courageous. Yeah. They had gone through a, a relationship and were coming out the other side as right. friends, right. and they talked about it. The single guy had was married and had a child, and his life had completely changed because he met a woman that changed him. Ah. And the polyamorous couple, I would say, out of all the couples I've met, were the most high-functioning couple. Ah. And it wasn't because they're polyamorous. I think because they're polyamorous, it forced them to communicate Mm. much more deeply about each other, about themselves. They knew what they were getting into. They knew what to expect because they knew each other. They had, the masks had come off. For polyamory to work, the masks have to come off fully. Uh. A lot of people get married, traditionally in our culture, knowing very little about each other. And right. something that the experts have repeated that I've interviewed is they recommend premarital counseling, oh. which is essentially just so you know what to expect from your partner. Because right. you're in for a lot of surprises eventually if you yeah. don't know. Yeah. And the, poly, the polyamorous couple knew, it, it seemed like, it appeared to me, they knew uh, intimately who the other person was. Mm. And because of that, they were uh, still very happy and functioning well. Um, and accepted each other for who they are. And that became another uh, big lesson I took away from this. The secret to happiness, one secret to happiness in a relationship is two-faceted. First, you have to understand what kind of animal, what kind of individual, what kind of person you are. 
and accept who you are mm. and your desires and your needs and and what they are. It's not a, it's not a, it's not sinful to have needs and desires unless you uh, give it a label and call right. it sinful. It right. is you are what you are. Right. And second, you have to accept your partner mm-hmm. for who they are. It mm-hmm. comes down to that acceptance. And if you mm-hmm. understand each other and communicate to each other without the masks and can mm-hmm. accept each other, that's the recipe for longevity and happiness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that, 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 I mean, knowing what I know, and I've met polyamorous people uh, many times in my life, um, in some ways that doesn't surprise me. Um, you know, I remember a long, long time ago, uh, I was uh, at a science fiction convention, I think, down in the southeast, and I met a guy who had a wife and a girlfriend. And I said to him, I go, gee, that must be a lot of work. And he goes, it is, it is. And he said, you know, and the two of them had to get to know each other and like each other. And it, um, and, and, and that there was a lot of jealousy to work out and time and, and all these kinds of things to work out, which you know, you, you don't necessarily think of it, but when you're doing that much work on a relationship because there are multiple people involved, you actually have to do your own work and you have to get things to a deeper level, um, which, although it's more work, can actually be much more fulfilling. <laughs> right. Well, everything that requires a lot of work is going to probably be more fulfilling if you put the work in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, last night at the panel I was at, there was one woman who said something very, very interesting. Um, and, and she said, uh, and, and she was married and, and practicing relationship anarchy. And she said, I don't have to go home tonight if I don't want to. But I will because I love the person I'm with so much. And, you know, it just kind of struck me and and because her point was like you, when you have that much freedom, but then you you choose what you choose, that it actually means much more than if you 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 don't really feel like you have the freedom because you have to conform to this and and these are the rules and these are the expectations. It's kind of almost like when there are no rules, your choices mean a lot more because they're really truly coming from your heart. Yeah, that's a really good point. Neil Strauss, who wrote the book The Game, told me this, that the way he views it is there are three entities. There's you, mm-hmm. there's your partner, and there's the relationship. Mm-hmm. Each one of those have a different path or agenda or need. Mm-hmm. And when you make a decision, you have to consider all three. Right. What is best for all three? Not just one, right. not just yourself, not just right. your partner, and not just the relationship, but all three. And so he, the basis for his choices were, what's going to be the best for all three of us, mm. and particularly the relationship. Mm. Right. So you might have to go home, even though one of you might want to stay and party all night, but right. what's, how is that going to affect the other two entities right. that are important to you? Right. So it, it, it's also having kind of that conscious awareness and the compassion of knowing how your cho- choices impact another person. Doesn't mean Which you're certainly does. Doesn't yeah. mean you're responsible for how the other person feels, but it does mean that you know there is an impact and understanding how that impact affects the other person. That's true. Yeah, you put your finger on another important thing: uh, how another person reacts or feels is not your baggage to carry. Right. What's important to you is doing the right thing, considering all those three parts of a relationship, hmm. and it's your partner's job. Right. to carry their own baggage. Jealousy comes from insecurity in yes. your partner. Yes. If your partner is completely secure in who you are and what you do and who, and who you will be, mm-hmm. because, you, all the, because the masks are gone and they know who you mm-hmm. are, if you stayed out all night, it, wouldn't, it shouldn't bother them because they know who you are and they, they know right. exactly what you'll do and, right. and, and what you will do to pre- preserve all three entities including the relationship. Right. There's a certain level of trust there because they know who you are as a person. Exactly. Wonderful. It reduces conflict when you know somebody intimately. Right. Exactly. Um, I'm curious, since your, your prior film was the, the nature of existence kind of all about 
spirituality and, and, and God and all that stuff. Um, how did that come into play in relationships? Well, people are always connecting the two. Where in, in the, the way we see it, um, in one way we see it is the search for a soulmate. Hmm. Right? Is do we have a soulmate? Right. Now the numbers don't work scientifically. It makes no sense <laughs> because with almost seven billion people, right. the chances of your soulmate being born in your vicinity uh, are, are pretty small. Hmm. And so the way it really works is, from a realistic perspective, is making someone into your soulmate, mm. making yourself into someone's soulmate. You become, mm. Someone becomes your soulmate uh. over time, I think, is a more realistic way to approach the spiritual aspect of relationships. Mm. And that's by doing the work and yeah. by not checking out. And, and people check out because they're frustrated and they don't know how to behave. Mm. And there are ways of behaving that make relationships go more smoothly in mm. ways that make them more troublesome. And partly because of the way we're dealing with our this culture that's so different from the African savanna right. that we evolved upon. Right. And so there are, I guess you can call them relationship hacks, or these are the tools and techniques that couple therapists use, mm. uh, like uh, John Gottman and Julie Schwartz Gottman of the Gottman Institute mm-hmm. up in Seattle. I went up and visited with them. Most therapists will refer to their work uh, or... Um, uh, if not, um, go to you know you can go to them directly if you want to do. They do couples work mm-hmm. there. Their their goal is to repair relationships mm-hmm. by giving them little relationship hacks. Uh-huh. You know there there are a couple of small things you can do to make a woman happy or to make a man happy to make your partner happy. Wonderful. And they're different. For right. the masculine needs something different, right. and the feminine needs something different. But they both need to understand that about each other. Right. One mistake that couples make is they tend to do the thing for the other person that they themselves need, right. which their right. partner doesn't need in the right. same amount they need, and it drives their partner away. It has right. the opposite effect of what they want. Right. Okay, I want you to hold it there because when we come back from this last break, I want you to give us like your top three relationship tip advice for how to have successful <laughs> okay, relationships. Okay, I can do that. Okay? Um, And before we go to break, I just want to read out Pat on the Facebook Live says, I have been married for 41 years, and I believe we have been together that long because we give each other space to grow and develop. Absolutely, Pat. Wow. 41 years. That's something, huh? Great. Space. That's the key word. Space. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So it's time for us to take our last break of the show. Oh my God. Time flies when you're having such amazing guests. Um, so when we come back, we're going to get a, a Roger's top three tips for relationships. And, and the, hopefully we have some time to talk about sex. Um, that, that, ooh, taboo topic around relationships. Okay, Roger. Yeah. All right. So everybody, please stay tuned. You're listening to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. My guest this hour has been Roger Nygaard, a filmmaker of The Nature of Existence and The Truth About Marriage. And we will be right back after these messages. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Best designs for your life start at home. I'm David Thiergartner, interior designer and host of At Home. Listen live Tuesday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern Time as we talk to the very best professionals about interior design and the design that's all around us right here on talkradio.nyc. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant. And on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. TalkingAlternative.com
And welcome back to the Conscious Consultant Hour Awakening Humanity. Uh, Roger, okay, is our last segment. So let's have it. Your top three tips for how to have successful <laughs> marriage slash relationships. Well, this is what the experts have told me. Okay. And first of all, for men, this is what men, they recommend men do. Partly, you know, passion fades over time. And the one question is, how can we get our passion back? Right. And physiologically, you can't be in a passionate state for extended periods or you're, you'll die. Your body can't handle that kind of stress. So it's natural for it to reduce and go away. But one way to get it back, here's what men, here's a relationship hack, is a woman likes to have your attention. She needs to be recognized. So every day, once a day, after work, put down your, your cell phone and for 10 minutes make eye contact and ask her how she's feeling. Mm. Ask her about her day and just listen. The important thing is to listen. Mm. You can say, oh, that sounds terrible. Oh, I'm so sorry that happened to you today. Oh, oh, that's good news. You can you express empathy, but right. do not offer solutions. Ah. Do not make suggestions. Okay. Just shut up and listen for 10 minutes. Right. That's all you got to give. 20 is fine, whatever. But you can't have the iPad or the cell phone nearby. Right, right. She just, a woman needs a man or the, the, mas, the feminine needs the masculine to recognize her for a few minutes per day. Yeah. And, and that will rekindle passion, you'll uh, find. And I can absolutely attest to that because if, if, when I get home, my wife and I, and we work together and we live together, when we get home at night, if we're having a conversation, if I'm checking my phone, she gets so mad at me. <laughs> right, with good reason. Yeah. So stop doing that. Give yes. her ten her ten minutes, and then yes. you can have the rest of the night. Yes, now for that. women, yeah. here's what women in that same situation never ask a man how he's feeling. You can ask him what ah. he's thinking, but asking a man how, what he's don't ask him what he's feeling unless he's puking or bleeding. <laughs> and, and this is according to Dr. Pat Allen. She she okay. she told me this. A man, uh, it, it's like mothering is mm. to ask a man that. What are you feeling? Tell me what you're thinking. You know. Uh, men hate that. And so when a man comes home, he needs his time to decompress. He probably does not want to talk about his day. He wants to forget about it, to, to, to recharge his batteries. So what a, a woman has to do the opposite, or the, the, the feminine has mm. to do the opposite for the masculine, gotcha. which is let him go away. They call it going to the cave, cave. once a week, yeah. typically. You know, men are from Mars and women are from Venus. He calls right. it going to the cave. But you've got to let your man go away, and then he will return renewed. Mm. And if you want to discuss something, if there's an important issue about what you're going to spend money on or disciplining the kids, make an appointment to discuss or make an appointment mm. to argue. So a man has time to anticipate it. Mm. His, his brain is not as fully developed as the feminine brain for dealing with emotions and interpersonal interaction, and so they call it flooding. It overloads much more rapidly. A man can only st stand about 15 or 20 minutes of discussing something emotional before it, it gets overloaded. So it helps to make an appointment. I've got this idea I need to talk to you about. When can we talk about it? And, he'll, and then when he gives you a time, write it down on a piece of paper. That makes it real and official. And if he never gives you a time, if he keeps saying, no, I can't or I don't want to, then you're not in a relationship. You're yeah. with the wrong person. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, two wonderful tips. Thank you so much, Roger. I appreciate that. So, so okay, let, let's talk about the big, big topic. How important is sex in a relationship, have, did you find? It's the glue. They say a uh, couple should have sex once per week to mm. continue to sexually, to chemically bond and rebond with each other. Mm. Therapists will work hard, Dr. Pat Allen says, she'll work, uh, she'll do whatever it takes to keep a couple together if they have um, chemistry mm. because that's the glue and chemistry is something you have no control over either you do or you don't mm. and it's determined by different uh, body chemistries based on among other things the immune system oh. when you kiss someone it feels passionate because it's your body telling you you're smelling and picking up hor uh, pheromones, pheromones that are telling you this person's immune system is different from yours the more uh, different it is, the more passionate you feel toward them because oh. your bodies are saying, okay, 
combining these two genetics will have an offspring that has a better chance of survival from two dissimilar immune systems as opposed to two people with the same immune system. They've done tests where they call it the T-shirt test, Mm -hmm. where they have men wear Mm T-shirts, they pass them out to women, ask them to smell the T-shirts and determine which T-shirt smells the most attractive. And they Uh, found a correlation with the uh, uh, difference in in their uh, uh, immune systems. Wow, wow. So there is uh, science to back this up. So I'm just curious then, does that mean that like over time when you're together a long time, you know, they say like you start to be like each other. Is that perhaps a reason why there there's a drop in uh, attraction over time because your immune systems are kind of syncing up with each other? So they're No, two different things are going on there. Ah, One okay. is habituation. Ah. There's something comforting in habituation that it's the same and it's familiar, but it's also when something's the same and it's familiar, it's no longer special and exciting. Ah. So you need to, in order to overcome that, what they recommend is once a week you do an activity, and it has to be a physical activity mm-hmm. that's novel and new for the couple and that both people want to do. Mm-hmm. Physical activity causes the rebonding and it gets those chemicals flowing again, and it can be bowling. Go bowling. You've never gone bowling together? Everybody likes bowling. You go, go bowling. In these studies, they had people just bounce around on these little bouncy balls, and it rekindled passion by doing something silly or fun together. So that's the, if you want to rekindle passion, start doing things. Going to a comedy club is good. The laughter yeah. gets those, yeah. those uh, chemicals flowing again. And it's like, you know, you were referencing at the beginning of the show how children are naturally right. uh, joyous. Uh-huh. And you want to get back to that state where you're no longer stressed. Stress is the killer. Habituation and stress will kill passion. And yeah. enjoyable physical activities will, um, it, it reduces both. Uh, it reduces stress and, and it gets those juices flowing again. Mm. So, so I'm curious, after all the seven years of this research and this work to put together this film, do you feel like you're uh, on the path towards a, a, a committed relationship? Or, or what, what do you think is in store relationship-wise for Roger Nygaard? Well, I, I feel like I'm better equipped, far better uh-huh. equipped than I used to be. Uh-huh. You know, they, 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 they don't teach you in high school how to have a relationship. Right. And they should. No, everyone goes out woefully unprepared <laughs> for how to have a relationship, and it's, you do trial and error, and so your uh-huh. first few relationships are disastrous because uh-huh. you're doing all the wrong things. Right. And eventually you find some things that work, and some people faster than others, and some never arrive mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. And for me, I mean, who knows? You know, the old joke, if you want to make God laugh, tell him your plan. <laughs> who knows what's next? But I do feel far more uh, complacent and happy with who I am and what I am, uh-huh. and uh, I hope that I will bring that to my next relationship as well. Wonderful, wonderful. Okay, last question, and then we got to wrap it up. Do you think uh, holidays like Valentine's Day is good or bad for relationships? <laughs> well, it's bad when you dread it, uh, <laughs> when something's forced upon you. Yeah. But one of the John Gottman um, did some research, and he came. He discovered what he calls the five to one rule, which uh-huh. is healthy relationships have five positive moments to every negative moment. Mm. You know, negative moment is ignoring your partner, not listening, coming home late, but whatever, you know, you know being mean. Right. Um, nice is like touching your partner on the arm, kissing them, laughing yeah. at their joke, making eye contact, bringing home flowers, mm. bringing home a Valentine's Day card. So Valentine's Day is an opportunity for another positive, which you should grab. You should use every opportunity. Yeah. And couples that fight a lot, they need a lot of positives to make up for all the negatives. They're just as stable a relationship as couples who don't fight all that much as long as they have that five-to-one ratio. And more than five is good. Five is the minimum. You need to have a lot of positives uh, interaction, a lot of positive interactions to maintain a strong relationship. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, Roger, thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show today. I really appreciate it. Very timely conversation. If, if people want to learn more about your work and about you, um, wh- where can they go? How can they get in touch with you? Uh, TheTruthAboutMarriage.com and uh, the movie will have all these answers and many other things I discovered. And my, my website, RogerNygaard.com 
uh, also will lead to all of those, all my films. Wonderful. And and so for the film, it, it's it's uh, hitting the film circuit right now. When, when will people be able to actually see the full movie? Yeah, it's coming up. It's at a film festival in Los Angeles next week, and Trenton, New Jersey is coming up, San Jose, California, Dallas, Minneapolis, um, and many others over the next several months, and it'll be released uh, later this year in all the usual uh, suspects, you know, Blu-ray and uh, Netflix-type things. Wonderful, wonderful. Ooh, ooh, I hope, I hope it's on Netflix. Um, okay, Roger, thank you so much. You have a great afternoon, and uh, are, you, are you working on another project? Is there another movie in the works? I'm working on Veep right now, season seven, the okay. final, seven, uh, final season of Veep, which mm-hmm. is fantastic and hilarious okay. and then i'm going to segue over and work on uh, season 10 of curb your enthusiasm oh, wow. which i do in between making my documentaries all right well the next time you make a documentary you got to let me know and we'll have you back on the show oh it's a pleasure no it's great talking to you thank you for having me you're welcome you're welcome and thank you my loyal listeners and my fans everybody on facebook and on talkradio.nyc did you enjoy the conversation did you enjoy the show Please share us. Don't keep us the best kept secret in, in, in the, uh, online or in New York City. Share us. Uh, let other people know about it and, and help us to get the word out there. Thank you all. Please tune in next week. Remember, Thursdays, 12 noon to 1 p.m. Eastern Time, talkradio.nyc and on Facebook. And we will talk to you next week. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Are you stuck in a rut? Negative thoughts, feelings, and conversations got you down? Hi, I'm Noreen Sumter, the Potentiator. Tune in every Tuesday at 9 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time and listen for new ideas on my show, Beyond Potential, Live Life Your Way, on talkradio.nyc. Hey, all you crazy listeners. Looking to boost your business? Why not advertise on Talking Alternative with very reasonable rates? Interested? Simply email at info at talkingalternative.com. you like comic books and movies? How about TV and pop culture? Then you've come to the right place. Hi, I'm Michael Dolce, host of Secrets of the Sire. Joined every week by my co-host, Hassan, Lord of the Radio Godwin. Together, we have over 15 years' experience creating graphic novels, screenplays, and more. Join us as we bring you the inside scoop on the pop culture universe you love to talk about. Wednesday nights, 8 p.m. Eastern, talkradio.nyc. The best designs for your life start at home. I'm David Thiergartner, interior designer and host of At Home. Listen live Tuesday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern Time as we talk to the very best professionals about interior design and the design that's all around us right here on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network at www.talkingalternative.com. Now, broadcasting 24 hours a day. Talking Alternative. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network.